What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight on the other line is Luke Alves. What up, Luke? Not much, man. Just, uh, you know, enjoying this crazy playoffs. Um, really slept on my Celtics hard and uh, had them in seven. We but, both did. <laughs> but, I mean, like I said, when I picked it, you know, they could sweep, but I know my team, and they like to bring teams to game seven a bunch, so that's why I went with that, but... Hey, so far so good, and, uh, you know, the playoffs have been pretty fun. Yeah, indeed. Um, but before we jump into the playoffs, we got to take a minute to talk about the shit show that is Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns, um, after a report, like, I want to say sometime late last week, that they currently um, – I don't want to mischaracterize the report, but they are um, apparently – more keen on getting John Morant than Zion. Um, And I guess that in a vacuum makes sense. I mean, he's a, he's a point guard. They need a point guard. Um, But anyway, still a a report you don't want to get out. Um, You don't want other, other teams to know what you're thinking as far as that's concerned. Um, And then, you know, uh, we got the news last night that, they uh, fired head coach Igor Kukoskov. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um, I've only had a year to learn it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Phoenix hasn't really been relevant, so I haven't really felt like I needed to learn it yet. Um, and before they uh, got any sort of relevancy, they fired the man less than a year after they hired him. Um, they still don't have, uh, like, a, a permanent GM in place. What the fuck's going on with Phoenix, Luke? Yeah, man, it's an absolute disaster. I mean, I've been saying it for years now. It starts from the top, and they have probably – there's a couple other owners that should be happy that they exist, like for competing for the worst, worst owners for NBA fans. But, yeah, Suns owner is just terrible. I mean, makes just really bad – I don't think really – like, he doesn't really think on his decisions. He's just very indecisive and just goes with – some terrible choices. I mean, they fire their GM on October 8th, and it's just like rhyming. And it's just like, I understand James Jones, this isn't a guy and all that, but, like, what do you expect for your, for like, a coach? And it's not like you've gone from, like, you know, coach for three years, his system didn't work, a coach for two years, his system didn't work and all that. No, Devin Booker, poor guy, has gone through five coaches in five seasons. So it's just like, what do you, what, where is this player development? Like anything that like you can make signs to, you should fire a coach after one year. Like, where is this like data, like analytical data that their owner sees? Because it just, I put it all on him because he's just, he's the only consistent per- person out of that whole organization. 
that you can really point to. And it's just, it's sad. I mean, everything that they did last year. So uh, with, uh, I think it was Ryan McDonough. Uh, it was the um, prior GM, but it was just like, you get yeah. Igor and, you know, you can't hate on the DeAndre Ayton pick. I mean, he steadily, everyone knew he was going to be a very good offensive player. No one ever worried about that, but his defense was the big question. But if you really look at it throughout the season, he got better, like, throughout the season, like, progressed. So that's, like, a big, like, so, you know, you can't hang your – your hat on like the pick of DeAndre Ayton, but if you look at what Ryan's choice was to do last summer when he hired Igor before the draft, it's me and you were talking. It's like, well, he's going to draft Luka Doncic because that's his coach, but they don't. And then I think that might have been the rift between the owner and McDonough, and that got him fired at the beginning of this year. And so it's just like now they're making these terrible choices where it's just like, well, that was that guy's guy and not his guy and let him go with his guy and all that. So that it's just a bad choice. I mean, if they are considering a bait, I read that they uh, have a second interview with Monty Williams. I do like Monty Williams. I think he could be a good coach. He could be one of those coaches where he hasn't really made it in some things he's failed. But if you give him a good chance, like, you know, with, with some young people, I know the Lakers are, are high on him, so yeah, he'd be a he'd be a good coach. So that's kind of in the right direction. So like, you, if, if you make that, you know, you kind of showing me something. But just the the whole leaking, like what you led into, of like John Moran over Zion. I mean, like, like I said, I've always been one of those guys that's like I see position needs, like very needs over like next best. But there's no like next best. This is Zion. Like you don't yeah. pass on him. This is like passing on Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant. Like, you just don't. And they and it's happened in the past. So, learn from some prior mistakes that team have done and just draft a guy. Like, who cares about team needs? You can get a point guard. You could figure that out later on. If you get the number one pick, you just don't pass on them. You don't trade them for anything because, I, like I told you, I don't think there's anything really worth trading for him because – Sure. There's just so much upside. He's on that rookie contract that's like for a, like a, a long time. So his contract's really good. It's, it's just everything about him. So I just it's hard to find a good trade value that I think's worth for him. So I don't think you trade it, but it's just like why do you leak that out? Like wh- why is that being leaked out and then you're firing a coach? It just the Suns never seem to just shock me on the terrible decisions that they do as an organization. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's terrible. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, my biggest thing here is with the coaching thing is if you don't have your GM settled yet, and you fire your head coach, but and you're now looking to hire a new head coach with, you know, a guy who doesn't have technically have the GM status. Um, you know, James Jones is, is like a Magic Johnson type. He's not really the guy making the decisions. Um, and you haven't committed to the other guy. His name escapes me at the moment. Um, so, like, w- where are we here? Like, we're doing everything fucking backwards. It, it'd be one thing if they had just hired a new GM and he was like, look, I want to take this in a different direction. Like, okay, fine. 
you know, go with that. Um, but they haven't. They they still don't have a permanent GM. Uh, and, and so now they're looking to bring in Monty Williams, who has relationship with both James Jones and the interim GM. And it, it just – it doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you looking to hire a co- – what happens then if you bring in uh, a GM who doesn't like that coach? Then you're looking at firing another coach. Like, it, it's just everything has been mishandled with this organization um, for, you know, really – better part of uh, of a decade now and yeah i don't see it getting any better um you know as far as the the luca ayton thing I, you know i don't beat him up too much either but it's going to be really really sad if like they end up with the number one pick this year and they're like man we just robert sarver's like we really need a point guard we're taking john morant and then it's like well fuck like in a different universe, you could have had Luca and Zion on your team to go with Devin Booker instead of Aiton and John Morant. <laughs> like, um, that's a that's that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I didn't I didn't necessarily think that um, Luca was going to be. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, we all had him on our board at number one. I had Aiton at number two. So it wasn't, you know, the biggest thing for them to, to, you know, in my eyes at the time to drop down, you know, to, to number uh, – to the second best prospect, in my opinion, at the time, um, especially because they needed a center. But, Nick, hindsight being what it is, it, it's a bad look. Um and you know it's 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 certainly going to be rough if they end up going with Jaw. Um, now, granted, there's very slim chance, only 14% chance they get the number one pick. Um, but it, you know, if they do, and they take Jaw or take Zion and try to trade him to down to get Jaw, um, it, it's it, you better fucking be praying that Jaw Morant becomes a Hall of Famer, like multi-time all-star has that, you know, uh, uh, all NBA potential, um, because that's the only way that you can give up Zion, like for positional fit. And like you said, Luke, I just don't know that you can hang your hat on John Morant being that, um, like, you know, especially without having seen him go up against, um, uh, like top, collegiate competition game in game out uh you know throughout the whole season uh it's just it's it's a i would be if i were a suns fan i would be very trepidatious um at trusting anything that robert sarver does um you know with his management of this team um and especially after the uh uh, Kevin Arnovitz, uh, uh article that we covered, you know, about a month or so ago. Um, it just keeps the story, like, just keeps adding more and more shit onto it. Um, it's just a really, really bad look. I mean, I hope they get it together. I hope they, you know, can figure things out. But it just doesn't look like it's trending in the right direction. Um, anything you want to add before we move on? Nah, I mean, I just, I feel for the Suns <laughs> fans. I just, I, I yeah. feel for them so bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's rough. And it, I guess the one other thing that I would say is, 
the Suns have traditionally been teams to get um, free agent meetings. Um, you know, even even you know as recent as you know getting the um, the meeting with Blake Griffin a couple years back, Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, even a few more years back. And, you know, they've been able to get, um, you know, some big names, uh, you know, like Steve Nash. Um, uh, they were they were obviously able to, within, within the foundation of a trade, get Charles Barkley. Um, but, I mean, he was happy in Phoenix by, by all accounts, uh, you know, during those first few seasons. Um, they, they just don't have any sort of draw like that anymore either. Um, like, and... So that's another thing that really sucks for them, like to have been in position to get meetings with top free agents. And then you, now you are where you are, where you're like, well, can we overpay a restricted free agent this summer? Um, you know, and, you know, can we afford to do that? Is, are we going to have to match a big offer on Kelly Oubre? Um, like who do we draft? Uh, it, it's, it's, to, to like fit this team that again is just not very good defensively. Um, your two best cornerstones are not defensive players, and one of them is center. That's tough. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of questions up in the air. And as much young talent as they have, um, I just wonder if they're really going to be able to um, find the right combination of people uh, to. Um, put everything together. Um, I, I just don't know. I, it, it's not looking good. But let's move on to uh, some playoff talk. Uh, I want to start with Milwaukee versus Detroit. Um, Milwaukee just stomped the shit out of Detroit. No surprise here. We both call the sweep here. Um, I don't think it really would have mattered if Blake played, you know, in all these games. Uh, it, it wouldn't have made a difference in my opinion. Um Detroit did kind of put up a fight in game four for a little bit of the game, but I mean, Milwaukee took it over, I think midway through the third quarter and then just stepped on the gas and never looked back. Um, I mean, they were just outmatched. There there was um, no universe in which Detroit was going to beat Milwaukee. Um, and yeah, that's just all it was. Um, Detroit's going to have a, a, an interesting off season to try and see, what direction they go um, as far as do they keep both Blake and Drummond? Um, where do they look at to get some more wing help? Um, Cause obviously they, they don't have um, they don't have the cap space uh, to be able to, to really go after uh, some quality wing depth, um, multiple, multiple players anyway, they can maybe get one with, with a mid-level Um and, you know, so what do they do in the draft? And, you know, do they contemplate maybe trying to package a couple of those, of those expiring contracts in the number 15 pick um, to get, you know, somebody who they think is going to be uh, the right fit for them, uh, whether it be at point guard, you know, in, in the sense of like a Mike Conley uh, swapping him out for Reggie Jackson or getting the right wing player. A lot of questions up in the air for Detroit. Um, what did you think about this series, obviously, with it playing out exactly like we thought, and, and what do you look at for Detroit moving forward? Do you see a um, a reasonable path for them to become a 
quality playoff team and not just a first-round exit playoff team, um, borderline playoff team? Um, or do you think maybe they should look at, you know, stripping it down um, and at least, you know, moving one of Blake and Drummond to try and, um, you know, figure out something as far as uh, taking at least taking the next step of becoming, you know, like a respectable playoff team? No, I mean, first off is I don't understand why they played Blake Griffin. I mean, your first two games, you're just getting stomped. I mean, I guess playing him in front of your crowd, but he looked terrible out there. He was yeah. so slow. You could tell he was in that whole knee was beyond wrapped. Like, I don't even think it could barely move. And he just looked terrible out there. He, I, one play last game, uh, he got the, like, the steal and all that, and he went to, like, bring up the ball, like, on the fast break, and Giannis just caught him in, like, one step. Like, it was just, like, <laughs> there, was, there was no, like, speed of, like, burst in, in, in Blake. So it just was, like, why are you playing him? Are you going to injure him more? Like, was it really worth, I guess, to play, play him in front of your fans? Even though, like you said, I mean, they got stomped every game. The, the last game, they made it interesting. I mean, Wayne Ellington got, uh, like, you know, started. He... I want to say he scored the first seven points, so he looked really good. He was definitely getting engaged. So that that was what was helping him out right there. Um, you knew Drummond was going to have a, the mixed match the whole time, but, I mean, he didn't do as bad as I thought. I mean, you don't have Blake, so you're having to take the whole load of just Giannis just coming to do whatever he, whatever he wants. So you got to kind of right. pick and choose what you're doing. In game one, he, you know, he, he got in that trouble, so – he didn't do so bad, but um, Detroit's in a, in a weird situation because they're just so, like, cap-strung. Like, they just have so much money invested in some, some bad contracts and some not-so-bad ones. I mean, uh, I don't think you can trade Blake, even though he was the East. He made it to the playoffs, you know, this, this year, but um, his injury is going to have to, like, is it with a major? Is he going to get like a little like, you know, touch up surgeries or something in the summer? And cause you know, Blake's always been injured. So he's never been like consistently healthy. So I think you keep him, but I mean, I'd love it if they got Conley. I mean, he'd be a good fit. Even if they kept Drummond and Blake and try to figure it out one more year with them and try to retain Ellington. So now you have some decent wing and do something else at the shooting guard. So, there is some pieces like you could like directions you can go, but I don't know if they're able to get there because there's other teams that might be able to put in a better package. Would you want to take on bad contracts like Jackson? So that's what's going to make it tricky for Detroit to become. Jackson's I don't know. Expiring, like that. That's the thing. I think they could put together a reasonably good package because if you take the number 15 pick, and then Jackson's expiring. Um, and uh, John Luer is expiring, and Links Galloway are expiring. So you would, you could put together three expiring contracts um, and a, a number fifteen pick. If if I'm Memphis, like I'm looking at that, like all right, well we get all expiring contracts, we get the number fifteen pick, and we get a guy in Reggie Jackson who we can at least trot out for a year at, and play it at the as the starting point guard. There's that's not a terrible offer. 
I mean, yeah, it's not terrible, but I mean, there could be some better things that you might be able to get out there. We don't know, like Conley's, like right. what his market is right now. You know, what teams want to well, do. You could, you could potentially if take get, back less salary from a team like Indiana or Utah, um, simply because they have more open salary to work with, so they don't have to match salary per se. Um, so they could send you back a little bit less. Um, so maybe you value you don't have to get as good of a draft pick, but you get back maybe a a player that you actually like, and then you don't have to take back as much salary. Yeah, because, I mean, you could definitely, I mean, Dante Exum might not be that bad if you get, I mean, I mean, I don't know, actually. Yeah, not not high on my list, but um, he was. Yeah. uh, But, I mean, he's, he's always had the injury concerns and, um, I don't know, like I'm not super high on Exum, but I was thinking more a la like, um, like, um, holiday, um, from the Pacers. Like if I could get holiday and a draft pick, um, you know, and you know, um, I don't have to take back so much salary. Um, maybe that's something I'm interested in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, it's definitely going to be interesting for Detroit just because, like we said, I mean, they're just a lot of the – they were just invested in some high-cap, like, contracts. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I definitely – I like the Blake thing with him running kind of the offense. I mean, I liked it. It was just, you know, he was injured, so he couldn't do that in the playoffs. And I just, right. I just didn't see the point of playing. I mean, he just really looked terrible out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely did, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess maybe you know you're trying to get one win one game at home, um, but you know you're not going to win the series, and um, you know it, it's you definitely don't want Blake to you know get hurt going into the off season, regardless if it's you know you know the the whole thing with uh, Dwayne Casey saying well he can't really hurt his knee anymore, and that seems stupid like a dumb thing to say. Um, but regardless of whether it's that or, or just something else, like what, you know, what if he tears an ACL? What if he uh, pulls an Achilles, you know, tears an Achilles, something like that in one of these two games um, at the end of the season when, you know, everything's already been decided? It just didn't make sense. Um, and, you know, then you're really super fucked. Um, but anyway, uh, so it all kind of panned out like we thought. Detroit's going to be in a tough spot this offseason to figure out what they do moving forward. I don't expect them to really do a lot. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I think I, – I don't I don't think they should trade their pick. I mean, number 15, there's going to be plenty of wing players available there. Um, I would be looking at drafting that and then, um, you know, then trying to see what I could shake out as far as moving one of Drummond and Blake. Um what I could get back for one of those players. Um, but other than that, like, I don't know. I, I'm not terribly interested um, in, in taking a big swing on a guy like Conley if I have to give up my pick because um, they're, they're already kind of thin. Um, yeah, they got Kennard. Um, but other than that, they don't really have a lot of young players. I like Brown, um, solid defender, um, but I'm not sure, you know, where he – fits on that team um so you know there's there's that as well um and you know you just don't have really any other young talent so you you can't really afford to give it up you don't want to 
you don't want to be uh, you don't want to put yourself in the New Orleans Pelicans position where they have no young assets, no young talent, um, and then you know aren't that good either. <laughs> um, you uh, you only want to do that if you're actually going to be good and you're actually going to be a contender, a la like a Golden State or a Houston. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that pans out. Uh, but let's move on to your Boston Celtics. Uh, we're able to sweep the Indiana Pacers. I think you had it in seven. I had it in six. So I want to start with this. Did we underestimate Boston or did we overestimate Indiana? But I, or I, I won't both. I know both, but like, like which do you lean more towards uh, it personally here? I think uh, I'm going to go with the Boston side on um, we really were trying to like uh, for the smart injury for Marcus Smart being hurt. Yeah. We, I think we, you know, we thought that was going to be a big, big effect to them defensively. You know, he helps the team. He's definitely the spark plug and all that. And, and Indiana in the regular season, even after all the depots injury, they still played us really well. So it's like, what were they going to do? So I think we overestimated how much is injury because what it really did, what I didn't see, which I should have noticed is it, the benefit was from losing smart is we don't have to give him his minutes. So then we staggered it between Brown, Hayward and Tatum getting over 30 minutes a game. And you see, what happens when you mm-hmm. actually are able to play? And even Rozier getting and, some better minutes. Yeah, so it, I think that's what we um, like. We overvalued was losing Smart because yes, he's a great player and all that. And like next series, we might see it a little bit more with, uh, you know, like defensively matching up against Middleton and all that. But um, just his minutes being able to be the, like distributed elsewhere very benefited for the players. The you know for everyone and. And then again, I mean, Indiana just uh, – they did a lot of things that they didn't understand. Um, they went with Wesley Matthews a lot, like a lot of shootings from him, and I just didn't really – I mean, even when he signed there, I wasn't expecting him after the injury to be Oladipo offensively, maybe like the third option and all that. But um, Sabonis really wasn't, I mean, having to go in, so he wasn't the greatest and all that. So mm-hmm. kind of put more like – you know, Matthew's hands to do a lot more shooting. So, and then yeah, what and worked for them was kind of MIA. I mean, he yeah, just was, he was not there. effective. Yeah, he he was very yeah. hit or miss and all that. So, but but what was really worked for them and was very very effective was Tariq Evans killed us, man. When they cleared that out and they just gave it to him, he was just murdering us. And you know what happened? They decided not to go with that throughout the game like even in game four i was just like okay this is really working like just stick with this just he's obviously the only one that understands how to get his bucket right now and they just kind of diverted away from that and they sat him and i was just like i don't know what indiana's doing but i there's a lot of things like you know they could have went their way if they just would have just done done some things better just like, you know, some players just didn't have the series. And then, like I said, just the, the minutes getting more increased for for Hayward, Brown, and Tatum, very helpful. Like, it just it, – it's it's a big thing right now for the game because, I mean, they all had good series. I mean, Hayward and Tatum shot from the three over 45% from the three. So, 
That's a really yeah. good name. And Hayward just, I don't know, he's, he's I've been great. talking about, he's, he's finally figured it, he's got it all back. I mean, he had that one play where he just took it to the bucket. He absorbed the full contact from Evan Turner and bounced off and was able to do an and one. And I was just like, yeah, this yeah. is the guy that played for Utah, the reason that we signed yes. this contract. Like, this is it. He does not yeah. mind taking contact. And he can, he'll get to the line, and that's what I really like about Hayward. He'll get to, he knows how to get to the free throw line. He's not scared to make contact, and I feel like he, mm-hmm. you know, he's finally got full faith in in uh, his game. It's finally back mentally, and I think physically. So that was just a, you know, a lot of the things that he, you know, he was able to do with a, the minute increase was uh, beneficial, and it'll be interesting next year's with the Bucks. I mean, that. You know, this series, Hayward and Brown shared the the defensive duty against Bobon. I mean, um, yeah, Bobanovich. And um, now they're gonna have to do it against Middleton because hey, Horford's gonna be doing trying to do his thing against Giannis. But I'm worried about Middleton, who's covering him in the end. So if Brown and Hayward can keep it up and split this, um, we might, you know, have a good fighting chance. Yeah, um, I was super, super impressed with Hayward. And the thing that I really like about Hayward is, I mean, you mentioned a lot of things, but the one thing that I really like about him is the way that Stevens uses him as, a, as like, a shot creator, um, like, secondary to Kyrie. Um, it, it's kind of the same thing that Brett Brown has been doing with Jimmy Butler. And so T.J. McConnell has not been getting big minutes. Um, they, but those, those kind of backup point guard minutes have been going to Jimmy Butler, and I think that's been very effective for them. Um, and they've been doing that similarly in Boston. I love putting Hayward in that position um, because that is one of the added elements to his game, and, and, and putting him in that spot kind of further helps him to be successful because he is a really, really good um, ball distributor um he makes smart decisions um he's a he's a very much a better than average passer um he is um athletic enough uh and like you said he's he's seems like at this point he's not afraid to take the contact anymore um and he and he just plays so so great off ball too i think partly because he knows what he wants to see when he's playing on ball and so that kind of helps him. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I saw him get a shot, you know, right underneath the the basket because, you know, his his defender just fell asleep and he snuck right to the hoop and then just got easy two-point baskets. Um, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in agreement with you here. I think we um, – I, I do think we overestimated uh, uh, Indiana, but I would also lean – like you towards we underestimated Boston. Um, I, you know, I, I think a lot of that was going was again with the Marcus smart injury. Um, but I think a lot of it too, for me personally was just because they've had such a lackluster season. Um, it is just forgetting like essentially just how good, uh, or how talented this team is. And, you know, now that, that Brad Stevens, you know, has kind of has their full attention 
and you know they're in the playoffs they're playing meaningful basketball again um and Hayward you know seems to finally be um coming on he, he's kind of had this steady um this steady uh rise for what about the last month of the regular season I would say um and we're seeing it in, in playoff basketball now and yeah it I mean it just it looks fucking terrific um but you're right. The big test is going to be Milwaukee. Um, Giannis is going to get his. You're not going to be able to contain him. So it's basically can you can you throw enough people at Middleton to make him ineffective? Um, can without Marcus Smart, um, do you use Rozier a little more to try and? Um, kind of get in the head of Eric Bledsoe like he was able to do last year. I think that'll be interesting to see um, how Stevens handles that situation. Um, and because, I mean, make no mistake, Bledsoe's been a lot better this year than he was last year, um, like throughout all of last year, not even just talking about the playoffs, just in general. Um, so I think he's obviously going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I don't think – Middleton is a, is kind of a question mark to me because I think he was playing out of his fucking mind last uh, against you guys last year, and I don't expect him to play quite on that level. But I also expect everybody else around them to be more effective. Um, I don't really worry too much about um, you know their like uh, Lopez um, or or Miritich because I, you know I'm pretty confident in in Horford's ability to. Um, be able to float when necessary to make smart basketball decisions um, to double Giannis when when the time presents itself to do so. Um, but that being said, like they're still going to get open shots because you can't just let Giannis go to the basket every time, um, and they, they are reliable shooters. Um, so it's, it's going to be a fucking great great series. Um, so with that being said. Um, Let's give our predictions for the series. As as much as I fucking love the Bucks and want them to win this series, I, I I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment with the way that Boston's been able to tie things together. Um, but I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Boston. It just if if nothing else, in the sense of. Um, you know, Milwaukee still has to prove it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm just not sure if they can, uh, if I don't, I'm not sure if this is the year that they, they do it. Um, but I can't ignore, I, I can't be too much of a prisoner of the moment. And I got to remember how great Milwaukee has been all fucking season. I think it's going to go seven. I'm going to take Milwaukee at seven, but I do not feel fucking good about it. <laughs> What's your thoughts? I know. I mean, I I completely understand like the whole evaluation. I mean, it's a tough one, and uh, I'm going to give mine quick just so I can explain it. And I'm not I'm not just trying to be that arrogant Celtics fan, but I'm choosing them in six. But here's my reasoning, and then I'll go more into it real quick why it's in sure. six because I don't think we can take it to seven and and get that final game on the road against Milwaukee. You know, they just finally won their first playoff game, like, in the, the long, I mean, series. So, it's just like if they had the chance right. to go now to the Eastern Conference, 
the whole atmosphere and all that. I just think it'd be hard to win on the road then. I think if we're going to get it done, we have to get it done within six. So we've got to win quick and then do our job at, at home. So that's why. But there's a lot of things that I think that we can do. I mean, um, Bledsoe has had a really good year, but I think – if we – a lot of teams weren't playing. I mean, it's different when you play in the playoffs, but I think a lot of teams were playing in the half court and facing him up and all that and really getting into him. And I think that if, if – I know Stevens, you know, he's, he's a smart coach. He's definitely going to change that up. I mean, Kyrie played really good defensively um, last yeah, series. I mean, he definitely showed me well. a, a lot of things. I mean, he was blocking people and all that. So, him and Rozier switching off of – him would be good, and I think what's the big thing that's going to hurt him is Mal- uh, Brogdon being injured. Yeah. I mean, he's always been that kind of like that weird whenever we play them, too, like whenever they needed a bucket or to be calmed down, he's always seems to be in that right place and do it for them, so I think that might be a bigger miss than us losing, not having Smart in this series. Um, yeah, like, um, like Like we said earlier, I mean, Giannis is going to get to do his thing, but you're going to have to let him do his thing. I think this, the what you were saying is like what Horford can do in the switch offs and all that and help control the team. I mean, he's really just shown how valuable again he is. I mean, he's just really good in the playoffs. He gets in the zone. We play way better as a team. Um, he's he just knows how to run us, like run the defense and run the team out there and and all that and manage. So I just think he. If, if he can be able to, you know, help off and on sometimes to like, you know, to Middleton and all that, or close out on uh, Irsan Ilyasova because I know you or, or Lopez shooting the three, so help, I'm worrying about those other players just trying to stop them. But my big thing too is for the um, Celtics, the person that could make them lose this series is Marcus Morris. I'm done with the man. He's just not good. He He's all right defensively. I hope he can show me more, but he's been really just like the, the big stick and just like everything, dude. Like every time he gets the ball in an offense, it, it, it sticks to him. It stops like moving and all that. And and the I want to say it was game two or three. He went 0 for 12. And down the stretch, he still was shooting. And I was like, dude, just stop. Just give it to someone else. I'm done with you, man. So he's my, like, X factor. If he could have a decent series and all that, we could definitely make the 7-6. But if it, if it came down that we lost in seven, I, I'm going to put I'm, – I'm going to already foresee that Morris had a lot to do with it. Interesting. Um, yeah, he's, he's been up and down through the latter half of this season. I mean, he was great at the beginning of the season. Um but yeah, I mean, certainly, um, it, it's it's taking a step back as the season has gone on, um, and definitely, you know, I mean, definitely a guy that um, is probably not in the long term plans for Boston. Um, so I, I just feel like that when you're on a an, on an expiring deal, especially when you're not confident that you're going to be on that same team the next season, maybe you try a little harder to get yours. Um, and don't play within the team construct. I haven't, I haven't glued in on him, probably like you have, um, watching all four of these games, you know, very, very closely. Um, but I could see that just as a as a 
like as a thing that happens um kind of playing out here um but uh but yeah um i, I think it's going to be a really interesting series i just checked brockton um they don't they still don't, they're hoping in the next couple of days to have a better um timetable for when he's going to be back um definitely don't expect him to be back by the start of the series um but i do think it's possible that he could be back um somewhere you know in this series um so that'll be interesting to follow if if he can get back on the court um you know in time to you know maybe help them win you know a game four on the road when they're down two one or something like that um if they need him and if he'll be available. Um, so, yeah, that'll be another thing to kind of monitor for this series. But I do agree with you. I think Brogdon – I think not having Brogdon hurts them more than you guys not having um, Smart. Um, not that, you know, I, I don't necessarily – like you, don't think that Brogdon's, like, better than Smart. They're just different mean different things to their team. Um, and the fact that Boston already has so much depth – whereas Milwaukee doesn't have that depth, you know, in, in the backcourt. Um, like, that's what makes it kind of tough for them. Um, and and I, I will be interested to see um, how often Coach Bud goes to, um, goes to a, 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 a bigger lineup uh, since Boston likes to play Horford at the four at times um, and, and Baines, along with Baines. Um, do you consider going with Lopez, Miritich, playing Giannis at the three, Middleton at the two, um, and then Bledsoe at the one? I might look at that and, and think that there's some reason to do that, um, you know, simply because you would have so much stretch ability. Um, you can still kind of match the size, um, you know, by doing that, match, match Boston size. Um, and then if you have Giannis basically playing the three um, and, and essentially, you know, being able to um, being able to, to kind of guard Hayward, um, then it's just like, all right, well, I, if we're going to lose this game, it's going to be Kyrie who beats us, who can totally beat you. Um, but if you can kind of shut down Hayward a little bit or Tatum um, – by putting Giannis on them defensively, um, that would be very interesting. What do you think about that? Um, it's very interesting, but I don't think it would work for them. They end up being kind of too slow, um, if you ask me, because we were running a, a lineup of Horford at the five, Tatum, Hayward, Brown, Irving. So I feel like we would match that would be our line, and I just feel like in the end our speed would get you. I oh, mean, we're, yeah, we're going to be yeah. a lot faster. No, no, no. I'm not saying against that lineup. I'm saying when Baines is in, like to to counter oh, the mean, Baines Horford lineup, because like yeah, you okay. definitely couldn't play that lineup when Horford's at the five. Yeah, but uh, but uh, I mean, first yeah, uh, against the Baines lineup maybe, but I still think um, you're clogging the lane for Giannis, where I just would want to just keep it as small as I can to have more. See, room but I don't think you are. Room. I don't think you are because I mean Miritich and and um, and um, Lopez both stretch the floor, um, and then you know you've got Middleton who stretches the floor. Bledsoe doesn't, but you got to have him out there anyway. Um, I I would he can shoot. He's not terrible at, at shooting. He's just not like I wouldn't consider him a like floor stretcher. Um, 
But I honestly think that maybe gives you somewhat of a better look than what your other options, you know, at two would be, um, you know, whether, whether it be Snell or Brown or, or, or whoever, um, if you don't have Brogdon, I don't know. I think that actually maybe gives you a little better floor spacing, um, you know, having, having Miritich and Lopez being, you know, the, the shooters that they are, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're great shooters and it, it, the space would be good, but I mean, I don't see the Celtics do it because no professional team. But if you were to play a zone against that, you could definitely just stop that so easy, and then you're clogging the lane for Giannis at the same time, where you're just not really worrying. I mean, you just—I just feel like you know a zone against that, like you're just worrying because I mean, obviously they're just standing at the three-point line because those players can't create their own shot. I mean, not a lot of them. I mean, middle to right. of those might might be the best, so you're just worrying about them spotting up. So if you were to do zone that. And then you just worry about, like, having your two defenders kind of clogging the lane and just waiting for Giannis to come do his thing. But no team no team uh, in the pros does them. So we, we definitely want to see it. But, that, <laughs> but the, I mean, it, the shooting-wise, putting more shooting, better the, their best shooting around Giannis uh, when we have Bain could be their best option to – but I think, like I said, the speed – but we're still just a little bit faster, even with Baines out there, than that lineup. Yeah, a little bit, but like I, I just think that it would neutralize Baines' effectiveness. And if you force them to have to go away from Baines to where they can't play him, um, like that's that's definitely an issue. Because um, like like I said, you know, then you're looking at putting Morris in there more um, to get those backup minutes and, and things of that nature. Um, and then you're also like looking at like okay well we can't play um, you know we probably can't play Baines and Horford together um, because we take away so much of that speed advantage um, I I don't know I just think it would be interesting if you could put both of your bigs on either um, at either corner three um, and then have a wide open lane for Giannis with you know Bledsoe and Middleton on either of the other sides at the wing, like, I think it, I think it could work. Uh, I'm like, I'm talking myself into thinking maybe, maybe I'm selling a short on seven games, but then again, we do have to remember, um, you know, coach Bud is, I, we had this discussion not, not too long ago. I like coach Bud a lot, but he's still got, um, some proving to do, uh, in the postseason. Um, I really do like his odds now that he's got a, a fucking top tier talent, um, to coach, but he's still got a lot, of, lot, of, lot he needs to prove. By the way, I just want to say this really quickly before we move on to. I hope that anybody who is like trying to like hold up that fucking banner for Nate McMillan for Coach of the Year feels as stupid as the people who did last year who voted for Dwayne Casey, um, because uh, like it's so obviously not Nate McMillan, and like I, no shot at the guy. I mean, I, I like the guy just fine. But in my opinion, like, he wasn't even in my top three um, for, for Coach of the Year. Um, and I think we kind of saw this play out. Um, Brad Stevens should have been the Coach of the Year last year. And either, in my opinion, uh, it, I, still, I still have Mike Malone, and I think that's, that's um, going to be interesting to see how far Denver goes, and we'll, we'll get to their series with the Spurs. Um, but I think either he or Coach Bud um, definitely 
better choices than Nathan Miller. Um, so which, I'll get off my little high horse now. Um, anything you want to add before we move on? Yeah, I just want to get one more thing to that lineup. So just say we've got the – it's Hayward out there instead of Brown at the two, I mean, even – or 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 the three. Um, who's covering Tatum? Because he's going to eat alive uh, Miritich. So are you having Giannis play him, or is Giannis trying to cheat off of uh, Hayward defensively to, like, kind of counteract? Because that's also where I feel like if Tatum – the way he's kind of been playing and doing the right decisions and kind of been driving, I mean, he might find that mismatch and just completely go. I mean, Middleton's not really going to be able to cover him either. So that was my. No, other, I like, think Middleton can cover him. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Middleton's like basically the same height as him. Um, I, I think Middleton's generally an overrated defender. I don't think he's as good as a, a lot of people kind of talk him up to be. Um, but I mean, I think he's a capable defender. Um, I think he's, I think honestly, I might even like him like Middleton a little bit more on Tatum than, um, you know, some of the other guys with with slightly quicker feet. Um, you know, I, I just, it, it is going to be interesting though. I think Giannis could definitely guard him. Giannis can guard anybody. Um, but you're, you're right. You, do you want to have Giannis in a to you utilize him best? Do you want to have him stick to somebody and shut somebody down, but then open up things for everybody else, or do you want to have him be able to float so he can help everybody? Um, it's going to be another thing. It's going to be another interesting question um, to see, you know, what what each team kind of figures out that works for them, and how the other the coach on the opposite side, um, you know, sort of. Uh, tries to counter that. Um, it's going to be really interesting, man. This is going to be a really fun series. Um, I, I expect, I, I like I said, I expect it to be a really close series. Um, could end up being like the 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 Celtic Sixers series last season, where all the games were close, even though Boston won it in five. Um, I, I could see it playing out that way, but I really expect this one to go at least six, maybe seven. Um, and it's just to be anybody's game. The the the, the coaching. Uh, I think you got two top tier coaches here. You got two top tier talents and Giannis and then Kyrie. And then you just got a bunch of pieces around those guys that work. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be fun, man. This is gonna be a really fucking fun series. Um, quietly though, um, even though I I am picking Milwaukee. Um, just because, I, like I said, I can't, can't really. I, I feel like I can't turn my back on them now. It's just as high as I've been on them all season. How good they've been all season. Um, somewhat quietly, though, I, I, if if the Sixers are able to beat the Raptors, and we'll get to that, um, uh, I, I kind of want a Sixers Celtics rematch. Like, I just think that would be fucking awesome. Uh, both for the NBA, for that rivalry, um, and, like, for, for what everything means. Um, and, you know, I know that Boston's always got Philly's number, but if Philly does somehow manage to get past Toronto, I don't think, I don't think there's, like, a team in that situation that I'd be like, yeah, I'd rather play them. <laughs> like, both teams are going to be really fucking hard to play. Um, 
And, you know, like, I, I, I think the, the fact that Philly's lineup is so different than what it was last season, I kind of would just throw that out the window as far as how they would match up against Boston. Um, but, like, secretly, that's what I kind of actually really want to happen. Because <laughs> not to mention, the banter that we would get out of it would be fucking terrific. So, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's, we can do a couple series here. They're going to be quick. Um, Golden State and the Clippers. Um, obviously, the Clippers had the big 31-point uh, uh, comeback to win game two. That was awesome. But I don't think anybody expected them to win another game after that. Um, maybe you did. I think you, I think you had Golden State in six. I think you picked them to win it in six. Um, but nevertheless, uh, the Clippers have been playing hard and fighting hard, and you would expect nothing less for Doc Rivers' team. Um, but once you know, once they were able to, you know, kind of pull off that that crazy comeback, um, you're kind of seeing the Warriors locked in now. Um, Kevin Durant pretty much turning it on, like, no, we're not doing this. We're not having this. Um, he, he's looked great at the past couple games. Um, and so, you know, we're just seeing essentially the better team, um, you know, taking hold of the series uh, like they should be doing. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, no, I mean, I did – I think the Clips could have uh, won two games and did choose them, but they needed to win a game at home. And it was just, right. like you said, Kevin Durant has just figured it out. I mean, he's definitely – he's in that playoff mode too where he's just getting to his shot and he's just, un- like, just unguardable right now. And then when you throw in Clay, what he did at the beginning of the last game, to be able to shoot like that, it's just like any game. So – Golden State's definitely zoned in. Um, I think the big loss for them is um, the Boogie Cousins injury. I mean, yeah, I think it might run into you later on when you're having to play Houston in the next round and you're putting Capella up against, you know, I mean. Javon Looney. <laughs> Javon Looney and uh, what's his name? And came back from Australia. and Bo- Yeah, so it's yeah. like com- complete mismatch. I even think Nene will be able to find the like have a good game against them. So I think like it might come into the so that's a big loss for them. Was because you know you just it, you never want to see a player go down in non-contact and it just right when he went down and you instantly knew it was bad. I mean it just stinks for the guy who just came back from one major injury and he's trying to get a contract and out of this. But I think that could hurt them in the next series. But yeah, like. I think after they blew that 31-point lead, it's just they went into another zone, and, and they'll, they're going to definitely, you know, handle this and be done with it this next game. So, Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be done in five. Um, but, hey, props to the Clippers on, uh, you know, the greatest comeback in NBA history. And, you know, props to the Clippers on, on having such a great season. Um, I, I do feel kind of like they, you know, obviously a lot of people do feel like they're the front runner for Kawhi. And, you know, if they get Kawhi, I mean, and I know a lot of people are saying like two max slots, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, just, just fucking get Kawhi and like bring back the free agents that you have and, and make like one other, like really nice signing. Like, see, I would be pitching Kawhi on, 
Dude, we'll bring you and your best friend Danny Green in here. Um, we got this really good young point guard in Shea Gilgis Alexander. We got Danilo Gallinari who can get buckets. We got you know a, a kind of a, a center combo of a you know old school center and then a, you know a rim running small guy to come off the bench. We got Lou Williams off the bench. We're gonna re-sign Beverly. Um, so we're you know we're rolling with like eight like eight guys deep. Plus we got Shamit. And we got all these draft assets that we can use, um, you know, to build this team. Uh, like, I, I think that might actually be the better approach for them um, than, you know, trying to chase another guy to pair with him. Like, just make, like, re- really sell him on it being his team, and these are all the pieces we're going to put around you, um, and we're going to be the best team in Los Angeles for the next 10 fucking years. Um, I, I think that'll be the better selling point for them. Um, but the Clippers, man, they got a bright future. Fucking Lawrence Frank, man, that, that, the GMing that he did this year, um, like just so good. I don't expect him to win GM of the year. Um, you know, but I definitely have him in my top three and like those top three are all really fucking close with Masai Ujiri, uh, John Horst, and, and Lawrence Frank. They all have done a fucking magnificent job. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Clippers' future looks good despite uh, this series, for all intents and purposes, being over. Um, but, yeah, let's move on. Um, Houston. Hey, I got one more uh, thing, though, real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, look in the next series, you know, we're just going to assume to assume each team's going to win it in five now instead of they didn't get the sweep, but it's Houston-Golden State. Golden State had trouble keeping up with Lou Williams, being able to do what Lou Williams does. I mean, he, he's really right. good at, like, you know, getting his bucket and all that. Do you think they're going to have a hard time now that you have two, basically, Lou Williams? Because I still think Chris Paul can get to his bucket whenever he wants and all I mean, Chris Hall and then Harden. So I feel like they showed a lot of weaknesses, even though that, you know, they've been beating Clippers and all that. I just find the little matchups and all that. And Lou Williams has been able to just eat you alive. I just, I just think both of those players, especially when you're just playing one out there at a time and they're just doing what they want. I think Golden State definitely showed that flaw of just, it might come back to bite them now that, if the if Rockets can stay healthy and and you have both of Harden just playing out of his mind and all that, yeah, um, I think that I I've only watched a handful of minutes of those games because they're just on so late. Um, but I know Lou Williams obviously six man comes off the bench. I'd be interested to see how how many minutes he played versus how many minutes um, Clay Thompson guarded him and what his numbers were when Clay guarded him versus um, anybody else. Um, because that's my thing. I think, um, like, I mean, I think you really have to rely on Clay to, you know, essentially uh, shut down Chris Paul. Um, and I say Chris Paul because nobody, like, there's no point in putting him on Harden. Um, like Harden's just going to hit his step backs. Like, um, any hand in his face is the same as the next. I wouldn't even worry about that. I would put Clay Thompson on Chris Paul and say, shut this fucker down. Because um, if we can shut him down and we only have one of them um, to to really worry about, um, then, you know, I, I think it puts us in a really good position, um, you know, to be able to win these games. Um, 
you know, and then, you know, essentially I think you can have KD maybe guard Harden at times. I think you could just throw different people at Harden. You put Steph on him for a little bit, not too much, throw Iggy out there on him, throw KD just to give him different looks. But if, if I'm the Warriors, I'm like, Clay Thompson, shut Chris Paul down because um, I think he can do it because um, he's just so fucking good. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, it is interesting. It, I mean, it's, it's – um, I mean, I guess easier said than done. But I think the way Thompson plays defense is he's better suited to guard Chris Paul for a whole game and for it to be more effective for your team than trying trying to guard, uh, you know, basically Harden, who's just unguardable. I don't know. What do you think on that? No, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. You definitely, if you're shutting down one, you need to shut down Chris Paul and you need to put your best defender on him for, you know, the wing defenders, and that's Thompson and just, it might come back to wear him out a little bit, but it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I'm i happy that we're getting it next series and now in the West Conference Final because I want to see two, a, a healthy Houston go up against and I mean, I, I'm leaning with you. I've been leaning with Houston. I'm going to stay with Houston. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of Houston, um, they did drop – the game last night to Utah, um, I kind of felt that coming just because, I mean, Utah, um, the guy just didn't feel like they were going to get swept. Um, I, like I just, I, I thought they were going to win game three and then, um, you know, Harden just somehow turned it on late in that game and just willed his team to victory despite having such a terrible fucking first, like really three quarters of that game. Um, I mean, he just flipped the switch and fucking turned it on and, and, and won that game for them. Um, and that just kind of shows you how much trust that all those guys have in James Harden. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, you should at this point. Um, but uh, but they did drop uh, game four. I think they only scored like like 12 or 13 points in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it's a bad look. Um, but, I mean, I fully expected him to – take it back to Houston, win game five decisively, and this series will be wrapped up, and then they get to, like we said, go play the Warriors. Um, what are your thoughts on Houston, and are you surprised that Houston has been able to make this series as quick as it's been? Um, I'm not surprised that they uh, – how quick they – because, like I said, I think they're just one of those teams that – them in Toronto were definitely the healthiest and playing, you know – at the right, you know, right time right now in the playoffs to be like, you know, the healthiest and everyone starting to click. So I wasn't surprised at how fast they were able to do it. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a good win for the jazz. I mean, Donovan Mitchell had a great game. The kid's so good. Um, he definitely knows how to get it, but I mean, it's like he said in his post game, uh, little quick little interview right after the game was, the key to their win yesterday was Jay Crowder, and he came out and he had double-digit points quickly, like within the first quarter. So that was like a big uh, like boost for them and all that. So him being able to play in and taking some of the pressure off of Mitchell in the beginning of the game, I think helped them. But I don't think they're going to be able to do that in Houston. The fans are going to be definitely not for a side. I mean. It's different, you know, playing at home and then on the road, you know, shooting-wise and all that. So, I don't see Crowder having that game again. And 
I don't see another person on the Jazz doing what he was able to do and them to get that win next game. So I think Houston will definitely take care of this. Uh, Harden will probably have another big game and, uh, yeah, go on to uh, them in Golden State. Yeah, uh, definitely what I expect to happen. All right, so you kind of uh, teased your prediction. Um, how many games do you think it's going to take, though? Obviously, uh, Golden State has a home court advantage this go-round. Um, so does that mean you're taking Houston in six, or do you think they take it on the road? See, I want to do the same thing with the Celtics because I feel like it's the same th- uh, same kind of explanation that if you're winning this, you're not winning it in seven on the road. You're winning in six. So I'm going to go with Houston six. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm still going to take Golden State in seven. Um, I really thought last year was Houston's year. I picked them to, um, I think, to go all the way. I think to win it all, in fact, um, going into the um, – but, hey, I also picked Toronto last year, so <laughs> we saw where that got me. Um, but uh, but I, I, I really thought last year was the year. I thought they were going to beat um, Golden State. Um, I don't think they're ultimately worse than they were last year, though. I think a lot of people have kind of been like, yeah, like, they're just not as good as they were last year. And it's like Paul hasn't been as effective – and, yes, they lost Ariza and they lost Bob Muse. Like, Harden has just been so much better than he's ever been in his career. And I don't think you can really say that, like, they're not as good as they were last year. I just don't buy that. Um, but I do think um, – I, I don't know. I, I, it's just one of those things where I guess I, I just have to see him prove it. I, I, don't, I honestly feel very much about this series – like I do Boston-Milwaukee, I just don't know. It's, it's really hard for me to pick, um, which is fucking great. It makes it fun to watch. Um, but I'm going to say Golden State wins it in seven. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong because um, I would love for Houston to knock their asses out in the in the second round. Um, and, like, you know, fans of 29 teams in the league would be really happy about that. Um, so... Uh, Hopefully I'm wrong, but I, I'm going to go with my gut on this one. I just think, man, like, KD is a fucking, like, assassin. And, like, I, when they need him, he's just going to – I feel like he's going to step up and he's he's going to – like, there's not another player that I'd rather have in, in any playoff series than Kevin Durant. Like, he's just – he is a stone-cold fucking assassin. And, like, I, I don't know. I just – I feel like – when they need, when they really need a bucket, Katie's going to provide it for them. Um, and I think, I mean, that's obviously the X factor. It's been the X factor since he went to Golden State. Um, like I said, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Harden um, can, you know, be that X factor of the series and be the, the guy, um, you know, who, who ends up winning the series. Um, but I got to see it. I, I still got to fucking see it. Um, as of now, I'm still going with KD and going with Golden State. Um, all right, anything else you want to add before we move on? Oh, just going to go real quick. I mean, out of these three bench players, who would you rather have? And this is why I kind of go with more Houston. Would you rather have Rivers, Fareed, House, 
or Iguodala, Livingston, and I guess Kevin Looney. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I, that's that's that, the that, real. That's I mean, he's probably going to be a starter though. So you're probably okay, more Logan? looking at. I guess. I guess that's your eight man rotation. It's the bench just doesn't scare me anymore. Like it goes, I mean, don't get me wrong, Livingston and Iguodala definitely know, but they've definitely aging, and they you know it can come back. You know, we can finally maybe see like them. But I, I think just Iguodala feel like is those playing better three... than, than he was last year, though, because he was hurt last year, and he he was even hurt in that series. Um, so I don't know. I think I think out of all of those players, I would pick Iguodala, but out of the um, out of the collective, if I had to pick a, a collective, a group, I would probably have to lean towards um, Houston simply because Livingston's just not the player that he used to be. Um, and that's really it. That's really all you got coming off the bench that's really of, of consequential value is those two guys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I like that. I'm kind of favoring Houston. Like, even though, like you said, they they did lose like Bamute and um, Trevor Reza, I just still feel like they were able to come back and do a lot of things in the middle of the season and got a lot better on their bench. And I think it might come back to that's their X factor in this series. Yeah, and you want to know something funny? I was looking at this recently. I was looking at the assets that Philly has going forward, and I stumbled across something very interesting that I don't think we covered on the show, and I didn't even realize it until I saw it. Um, you know what Daryl Morey got? You know, we just kind of assumed like like him dumping James Ennis was like a, a salary relief, uh, sending him to, to Philadelphia. Dude, he got swap rights to their 2021 first-round pick. (laughs) I did not even notice that. I know, He's a great GM. That was not covered anywhere. I never heard it. I just stumbled across it on basketball reference, and I was just like, you got what? For what? Like, Elton, bro, like, you cannot give up – like you, you literally are day to day, much less season to season, on Joel Embiid's health. You have it up in the air. You don't know if you're going to keep Butler and Tobias Harris, and you give up swap rights to your first round pick for James fucking Ennis. Like, dude, just throw him like a couple second rounders or something, dude. Like, God, what a fucking steal for Daryl Morey there. I mean, look, it may not end up being anything, but like. Dude, like that's fucking crazy. Like you didn't want Ennis on your team anyway, and you were able to somehow get swap rights to Philly's 2021 first round pick. Like God, that, I mean that could end up being like the difference of like ten to fucking even maybe even more spots. Like that's crazy. Like are you like come on? You got to be as flabbergasted about that as I am. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that just shows you who's the better GM and one of the best GMs in the league. I mean, I know you didn't have him on your top three, but you got to look at really the season when he was able to do. He got his team under the cap. He just stole that, I guess. I mean, that's a huge steal. So he's always just one of the best. And my biggest thing is he had a release house at the beginning of this year. No team picked him up. And he was able to pick it back up <laughs> yeah. in the end after all, everything went through. And 
and on all twenty nine. And look at this guy. He he is really good. Like he could be serviceable yeah. for a lot of teams. And no team picks him yeah. up. And and Murray's like, well, I like my guys, and I just had to give them up because you know cap things, and I just I didn't want to have to do it. But it's just like I don't know how a lot of like bad teams that are just run terribly just don't try to steal everything that he does. And it's like, well, I yeah. mean, it, if he's from that town, it's like coming from the Spurs talent pool, you know, it's like if they're, they're coming from that talent pool, then maybe we should get them because, you know, their, their head, their GMs make smart decision and their scouting and everything is really good. So that's what also yeah. just shocks me. But I mean, that's crazy. You got swap rights. Wow. Dude, Elton, dude he's going to yeah. be gone before that even happens. Dude, I'm worried. Nah, like I am fucking worried, man. Because like, yeah, there's just so much up in the air right now for Philly. Um, but uh, but yeah, that I was I was really taken aback when I saw that. I was just like, that, that makes no fucking sense. That I don't I don't understand it, and I I don't understand how no one has talked about this. Um, like, I, I maybe some like local Philly stations or something have talked but it has not been in the national um spotlight at all i haven't heard it mentioned one time and to me like that's a big fucking deal like that's a big fucking deal um but yeah um anyway uh and yeah as far as like top three gms he's he's probably like my number one gm just as far as like who i would want um i just mean like for the season you know um but he he has ended up doing a lot this season a lot of little things this season um, to put his team in a really good position this year and moving forward next year, you know, avoiding the luxury tax this year um, kind of helps them tremendously uh, in the off season and getting off any of the, all of the long-term contracts that they were under um, also helps them out tremendously um, because it, it may provide them a way to use the mid-level exception and not have to use the luxury tax exception. And that may make the difference between getting a difference maker um, in your starting rotation versus, you know, somebody who's maybe not what we would call a difference maker. Um, So that extra three or $4 million could end up, you know, paying off a lot. Uh, But anyway, um, let's move on. All right, uh, Toronto versus Orlando. Uh, Orlando was able to miraculously pull out game one. It was a fucking terrific game. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, never felt like they were going to win another game this series. They're just so outplayed. Vucevic has no way to get anything done against this team. <laughs> like, he just cannot be productive. Uh, and he's your best player, so you're relying on guys like DJ Augustine, Terrence Ross. Um, Evan Fournier uh, to like really step up and, and you're just not getting enough out of those guys, you know, together on a game to game basis to be able to, to keep up with a team that's just stacked with talent like Toronto. Um, and Kawhi has just looked really fucking good. And Lowry had, you know, hasn't, you know, <laughs> laid an egg uh, since game one. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, this, it, it, look, Toronto loses game ones. That's what they do. Uh, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. No one should have overreacted to it if they did, and I certainly didn't. Um, but hey, I thought Orlando was going to get one, um, and they did. Uh, so good for them. I'm glad they got one. Uh, your thoughts? No, yeah. I mean, I didn't think they would get one. I mean, I just, 
I I did give up on him, but I'm kind of back on the Lowry because he's he's proved to me the last couple of games, and right now he's he's in double digit points for his. I think he's only one right now for the Raptors, so he's definitely. But him just getting zero points is just terrible. I mean, you're gonna lose every single time, no matter what team I think they're playing. When your second best players getting zero points and DJ Augustine's having the craziest game of his life, I mean. I was just like, what is going on right now? But um, I, I think you kind of just like you, you undersold like Kawhi Leonard is just so good right now. I mean, it's fun to uh, like you, like you said, you, you, he's he's just playing out of his fucking mind. I mean, he, we haven't seen this since the Spurs series a couple of years ago. I mean, he was doing it against Golden State, and then he finally got injured. But it's just. I I forgot like how easy he can get his bucket and how far his shots come. Yeah. He's, he's a really really good shooter. Like he's just deadly all around. His mid range, he can pull up on you. He'll hit a three. Does not mind driving. He just he's got it all. He's, and it's just it's crazy just to see like just how well he's doing them. But uh, I mean, I didn't. I, I thought they were just gonna clean sweep this just because like we said. I mean, when you're Best players not going to be able to do anything, and you're relying on Augustine and Ross and and you know your second tier players. I just don't think it's going to match up against a Toronto team that's just stacked right now. And Siakam looks like he's finally kind of figuring it out, shading away. Uh, I know the uh, OG's uh, injured, so that that kind of uh, like hurts them right there a little bit. But I I don't think it'll yeah, come Powell's back to really hurt them. Fucking great, man. Over the top, yeah, been playing like really valuable minutes for him. That's surprising. He, you know, he got buried on that lineup the last couple of years. Yeah, so they've just been playing good, and it's just Orlando should be happy that they were able to sneak out a win, especially on the road. It would have been cool if it was for their fans, but winning on the road, especially game one and all that, that's just fun. You know, you can. But in the end, it's just one of those teams where you should be happy. You got the one win, but you're definitely losing tonight, and it's over. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All right. Moving on, Philly and Brooklyn. Um, so obviously, kind of similar, uh, very much parallel to this uh, Toronto Orlando matchup. Um, Brooklyn got you know a, a very nice game one win. Uh, Philly came back and stomped them, you know, in, in games two and then three, even game three without Joel indeed. Um, and then game four, um, dude, like we got to talk about, I guess the elephant in the room here. Cause I want to get your opinion on this. Um, we're obviously both biased in, in slightly different directions. Um, but I did, did not like the ejections. I thought, you could maybe make an argument for ejecting Dudley for a being the instigator and having kind of two um, two incidents within the the whole incident. You know, obviously um, shoving Embiid and then also like bear hugging and dragging Ben Simmons into the crowd. Um, I still I still feel like that should have been a technical on Dudley, a technical on. Um, uh, on Butler for, for him uh, reacting and then play on. Um, and uh, I don't think that was a flagrant. I think, I think essentially 
it, it felt almost it was so weird. It kind of felt like a, a makeup call for Embiid's for the call that they missed earlier in the series. I think it was in game two with the elbow um, to Jared Allen. Um, but like as far as explicitly on this play, like dude. A, that was not a flagrant foul. He was totally going for the ball. It was a solid foul. Um, now, I could see how Dudley, like, looked at it, come, you know, from his perspective. And it totally was a smart move on his part to be an instigator and to try and, you know, get other players on Philly to react. Um, ultimately, it backfired, and Philly was able to hit some clutch buckets down the stretch. Reddick, who struggled all fucking game, it was so hard to watch him because if he's not hitting shots, he is just fucking worthless because um, he cannot play defense. Um, big fucking shot down the stretch of that game to help them get the lead, uh, and then Mike Scott was able to hit that corner three, um, you know, to, to put him up by two, um, and then they, you know, inevitably went on to win it by four, I believe. Um, but what were your thoughts, just your overall thoughts on the series, and then I want to get your specific thoughts on the dust-up uh, in game four. No, I mean, um, I'm kind of disappointed in this series. Uh, Brooklyn's had a lot of chances to make it interesting. Um, Karis LeVert has been playing out of his mind. They should do way He's more Karis LeVert. I don't, under- yeah. I don't understand why they aren't doing more Karis LeVert, but, you know, there's just sometimes – the coaches, I mean, I understand you got Dimwitty and Russell, but they just, uh, I mean, they've been doing all right. It's just they haven't been doing what they've been able to do all season. But there's plenty of opportunities for them to especially tie up the series to go back 2-2 and all that and not be down 3-1. Um, the whole Dimwitty thing, I agree with you. Like, Dimwitty had to do it. It was, it was the game before where it was game three where, he um, indeed elbowed Allen, and then he gave him this half-ass apology, which is, like, the worst thing, too. So <laughs> yeah, it was. If, I, I'm, if I'm Dudley, you know, I've already kind of, like, built my, you know, my grave with uh, what I said about Ben Simmons earlier uh, with the 76ers, yeah. so it might as well. I'm the vet. And it was it was another kind of cheap move uh, by Embiid. I mean, like, uh, you were saying, you know, it was, but I mean, I, if I'm Dudley, I gotta, I gotta stand up for our team, and I don't think that was at all throwing out worthy. I mean, he didn't push. If he got thrown out for what he did in B, like you said, he what he did with Ben Simmons might have looked a little bit worse, but I, I still don't think that was worthy. I mean, Butler, no. Butler's just, I, I don't know. The whole thing, no one should have got thrown out. I don't understand how Butler no. got him. I mean, it's just Butler's just head he's going to somehow figure out a way to get himself in, instigated into it and get thrown out. But I didn't <laughs> he really, wants to be I didn't really, mix, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He, he just, he needs to be up there, but I didn't really see the reason to throw out Dudley. I mean, it wasn't that much like of a dangerous, like shove, like where and all that. I mean, it just, it's, it's funny how far the game come along with uh, trying to protect the players, uh, like, you know, and, and make sure cheap shots like that. But I, it was, I don't think they should have thrown him out and all that. It should have just been a technical and then, you know, play on. But it, yeah, um, it backfired. It backfired on the Nets, and then the Nets stopped doing the, what was working for them. And some of their players just aren't able to sustain, you know, playing how they've been all year. And uh, Like Carroll, DeMar Carroll's not been that great. He's been kind of iffy. Right. Um, Harris, Harris has been a fucking awesome. Yeah, it's just I'm pretty yeah. sure 
He's only made a three-pointer in game one, and he's gone over the rest of the yeah. game. He's only made three threes yeah. in the first yeah. game. So just terrible. And the only players that are really doing it, I mean, Russell and Dimwin, uh, so to do it, they're not having a bad series. They're just not having, like, you know, what they've been doing in the races. But Lavert has been killing it. I think Dinwiddie's been, like been another... having a quietly really good series. He's been a fucking – he's been a problem. Russell – Russell – and here's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, he's very effective um, at his little uh, pick-and-roll mid-game shots, um, but he doesn't get to the line. Um, and when he's not hitting those shots, he's not effective. And if Brett Brown was, like, actually fucking, like, smart, I, I hate to say that. I don't like shitting on Brett Brown because I actually like him a lot. Um, but I just don't understand why you're not going small. I've said that to you twice already now in this series. Look, I know you don't have a lot of depth on the wing. I get that. But, like, they are picking you apart when you're playing Boban or, you know, Amir Johnson or uh, not Amir Johnson. What's the other fucking guy? Greg Monroe. Um, that shit. That just shit has not been effective. Um, when they actually did go small at the tail end of Game Three, um, they closed out the game with that lineup and just never looked back. And I was like, yes, like learn from that. When like you don't go small to get away from Embiid because Embiid's a fucking monster, and I get it. You you live with um, if they can make him less effective defensively in certain spots, it's okay. But, like, with Boban, man, like, yeah, he had a really good game three. He was hitting those those shots up, you know, near the top of the key beyond the foul line. Like, I get that. But, like, dude, you, I just feel like you'd be so much more effective uh, with, you know, Mike Scott at the five. Now, obviously, with Butler getting ousted in this most recent game, they didn't really have that as an option. Like, there wasn't they're already lacking depth on the wing um, in the backcourt to be able to do that. But, like, I definitely – tonight, I really hope if either Embiid's not playing or if um, – or when Embiid is not on the court, like, I want to see the Simmons, Redick, um, Butler, Tobias, Mike Scott lineup um, because that's just going to be so much more effective – you know, being able to guard those those little pick and pops, pick and rolls uh, that they that Brooklyn implements, and I just don't it, for like the same reason like that I look at um, the Nets and I'm like like how, why did it take you this long to put Levert in the starting lineup? Like, um, I look at Philly and I'm just like, how is it taking you this long to figure out that you can play small? Like, dude, and and you know, like I know that fucking. Um, like playing Zaire Smith is probably not ideal. Playing Korkma is probably not ideal. But I'd rather have them active than Amir Johnson. Like that dude's been washed for three fucking years. Like I, I, I those things I definitely don't get. I want to see them play Mike Scott at the five more. Um, I, I just think it, especially against when when Brooklyn goes small and and you don't have him beat out there to be able to take advantage of that, then just match them because you have the talent. Don't try to give them any sort of advantage. You don't have to outcoach them. You just have to put the talent out there and let those guys go get it. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand sticking with Boban. I don't understand the, the commitment to sticking with a fucking big guy uh, when they're playing a six foot eight guy at the center position. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I understand completely. I mean, and Boban just – he's had that one game, but he's been just terrible, just just terrible out there for them. And yeah, he's a 12-minute uh, game guy. Yeah, it, at, at most, but I just think um, you're higher on Brown, but I don't think he's the best coach. That's why no, 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 I'm not – I'm not like high on Brown at all. I just well, I like the guy, like I, like, and that's why, you know, that's why ultimately like I don't like shitting on him because I really like him as a person. He seems like a very fucking awesome human being, but like, uh, like I'm not, <laughs> like I I watch game to game and I'm just like flabbergasted at the things that he does and doesn't do, and I'm just like, man, like I know you're you're limited right now. Um, and, and I do think he's in a hard spot because I do think pairing Simmons and Embiid is not easy. It's fucking really hard actually to make those, to maximize both of those guys' skill sets together. It is really fucking hard because Ben Simmons wants to get out and run, 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 run. Joel Embiid wants to fucking get the ball in the post and fucking dominate in half court offense. And to make those work, it's very, very fucking difficult. So I know he's got a hard job. And, but I could give him a pass on those things because they are so hard. But little things like, hey, like we're, we're kind of getting torched on this like pick and roll situation because Boban can't get out there and get a hand up uh, on these shooters uh, when, you know, when, when they set screens for him. Maybe we should put in Mike Scott, who's quicker on his feet. Like things like that, you know, <laughs> that's what drives me crazy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting what happens next year is when, you know, you're playing a team that's a lot more has a lot more depth and can run a lot more crazy lineups at you and if you're not gonna match them, they might be able to exploit you big time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean I agree. Um so with that predictions, Toronto, Philly, um who do you got and in how many games for round two? Um, it stinks because I, I want to keep on like heading my decision all on Embiid's health, but I think regardless of Embiid's health, even if he's healthy, um, I don't think Sixers are going to be able to do it. And, uh, I think it'll go seven, but Toronto's going to win it in seven just because I Mm -hmm. think they, they have a lot more mismatches that they can do in the front court. Just um, what you could run. I mean, I would even test. I mean, if Embiid's not out there, and you want to throw a Boban, I mean, I'd possibly test Siakam at the five, and really just run yeah, against yeah. Small and Leonard at the four, and let's just run with this thing and and have like Green and Lowry, and then um, what's his face, um, Powell. Oh man, yeah, either Powell, like as the two. So I think you could definitely. I just. I like what Toronto is able to throw out there while you know what the Sixers have. They're going to – they don't have the their shooting like they did last year, so I think that's going to come back. I mean, Mike Scott's been playing great, but if J.J. Reddick's been hit or miss and he's still being hit or miss, he's kind of – there's some times where he just kind of disappears out there, and it's kind of sad because I think Sixers have always kind of – when they played really good, it's been how well Reddick's able to put his influence on the game, but – Hey, so many people, yes, but so many people now on their team, it's just everyone needs to get their shot. So it's um, it's interesting. But I think um, 
it's just Toronto just having a complete team and all that. They'll they'll, they'll make it a series of Sixers just because uh, you know they've they've got the talent, but Toronto's going to take it in seven. Yeah, I got Toronto in six. Um, I I hope not. Like I hope I'm wrong here. Um, you know, but I I feel like a Toronto's got the better team. They've got more depth. Um, Kawhi is going to be great. It's going to be really fun to watch Kawhi uh, and Jimmy Butler go at it. Like that's going to be something that I'm going to very much enjoy watching. Um, they they don't really have an answer for Siakam. I, my guess would be kind of try to throw Ben Simmons on him. You could play Tobias on him, but Tobias Tobias is a big body, but he's not really a good defender. Um, like the matchups concern me. Um, the the coaching obviously concerns me. Nick Nurse is a first year coach, but he has been with those guys for a long time since they hired in house. Um, and I've just thought throughout the season his um, his ability to um, shuffle and change things on the fly um, throughout the season. You know with varying uh like varying up the lineup depending on matchups and different things like that i think that's going to be probably the biggest thing because i don't i you know i think as far as talent um like even though you know i i feel like given Embiid's health uh i feel like Kawhi is the best player on the court i feel like you can make an argument for Embiid if he's 100 percent healthy um but you know I do feel like Kawhi is that um, it, with this series. Um, but, like, I mean, you look at everybody else in that pecking order. I mean, you look at two, three, four. Um, I mean, the Sixers definitely, I mean, I feel like they're better. I mean, I'm not even sure who Toronto's second-best guy is, honestly. I mean, probably Siakam. Um, but, you know, I mean, I definitely feel like whether you think Jimmy or Ben Simmons is the second best player on the Sixers. I, I'm more inclined to think it's Jimmy Butler, um, and I've been saying that all season. Um, but I think both those guys are probably as good as Pascal Siakam, um, and Jimmy's better in my opinion. Um, and you know, then then you got Simmons and Lowry. Simmons definitely better to me, uh, and then you got Tobias and I don't know Danny Green or. Um, Serge Ibaka, Gasol, like, um, you know, I, I feel like Philly's got two through four, and they're better. Um, but I, I think Toronto's better at the top, and I think after four, um, you know, I like Redick a lot, but Danny Green, I think, can definitely guard him. Um, you may even, actually, I would probably even put Van Vliet on him just because Redick is so speedy and likes to run around the court, and maybe you preserve Danny Green a little bit, and you let um, a guy like Van Vliet, who's a little bit younger, follow him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, man. I, I like, I really, really want to pick the Sixers for this one, um, but I just I feel like Toronto's just got the better all-over team. I think they got better coaching, um, not – so stuck in their way of doing constantly doing the same thing. Um, and I think that's going to end up paying off for them. And I don't, I don't look at this as a thing where um, I like, I don't think Toronto is going to have any trouble winning in Philadelphia. Um, 
So I, I'm going to assume that Philly gets a couple in there. Probably probably wins game one, um, knowing Toronto. Um, and then, you know, wins one at home. Um, but I, I think Toronto's going to get the best of them. Cross my fingers. Hope I'm wrong. Um, but all right, let's, uh, let's move on to our final two matchups. Um, Portland, OKC. Uh, OKC, they, they it, it's weird, man. They looked, it looked like in game one, it was like, well, this, this level of shooting of, of terrible shooting is not sustainable. They're, they're not going to shoot this bad. Um, and then in their game three win, it was like, well, shit, you barely won. And you made what 15 of 29, like this level of shooting, this level of good shooting is, is not sustainable. Um, this has been a really funny series. Um, I, I, I'm a little surprised. Uh, though maybe in hindsight I should have hedged my bets a little better, um, simply because they don't have they don't have the matchups that the Pelicans had last year, um, particularly Drew Holiday. Um, you know they they don't really have depth. Um, I think Terry Stotts is probably a little bit better of a coach, um, not you know hugely, but a little bit better um, than Billy Donovan and. You know, I, I Dame, Dame and CJ have just been fucking great. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Dame has had two really big three quarters on the road. Um, he's been clutch. He's been hitting fucking shots from thirty plus feet out. And CJ has just been like really fucking good. Like when Dame is not like when when Dame's not really doing stuff, it's CJ who's coming off these these screens, hitting threes getting into the lane, making really tough mid-range jumpers. Um, he's been fucking great. And then it seems like every game they have one other dude who steps up. In game four, it was um, it was uh, definitely Alfaruka Minu, obviously, in his canter in game one. Um, and then uh, I don't really remember who it was in game two, but I feel like Mo Harkless had a good game somewhere in there. Um, like that, you know, if they can get one guy to step up and Dame and CJ can both get theirs and play that well, um, I mean that's that's what's put them in this very advantageous spot for the series, and in my opinion, probably insurmountable um, for OKC at this point. Um, I I don't have really any faith that they can win three in a row against this team, given what we've seen so far. Um, Kind of bummed out because I was I was really hoping to to see um, Westbrook and Paul George make it to the second round this year, um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I definitely didn't see this. I mean, there's a couple things that I've like taken away from this whole thing. First off, is Russell Westbrook? You think you would back up your your shit talk that you've always had on Dave Lillard? <laughs> In a playoff series where the, it all comes down, and this guy's just been lighting you up, dude. He does not fear you defensively at all. He's shooting all day in your face. He's hitting those crazy threes, like you're saying, from deep. And it's just not just one, it's two, and they're daggers sometimes. And it's just like all the like all the little things you think you'd play just a little bit more like aggressive. I mean, last game, he just he kind of just, just made himself disappear in the second half. I mean. He went 0 for yeah. 7, but then towards the end of the game, he was definitely just trying to divert anything to another player and all that. Yeah. And 
the way Steven Adams is just completely declined in his game aggressively this series, you're just like, what in mm-hmm. the world? It's just really hurt them. And Paul George, I do think his injury is going to be a little bit more than what we've heard. But, I mean, he's, he hasn't looked that bad, but it's just like, if those are your top three and all that, and none of them have been really good, and, and people like Ennis Cantor are having a good game when you could really yeah. exploit the hell out of that. I mean, I don't know why. I think Billy Donovan's going to get fired because, if you ask me, because if that's one thing, it's the Thunder where they're going to go three to. straight years. you got to fire him. He hasn't proved anything. But what I don't understand is Stephen Adams, is this obvious on how bad he's like just like just declined really quick? I think he just you know his style of game has just finally caught up to him and all that. Why aren't you running a crazy small lineup with Nerlens Noel at the five? Because I feel like that might be better right. for you right now and, and match because I mean there's no reason Kanner should be having big games against you and all that. But um, I just don't know where OKC goes from here. It's very hard what they're able to do. Um, like I said, I think what the only thing that you're going to be able to do is fire Billy Donovan, but I think that might be better just because, but I, and just get back to being healthy because I mean, you can't really trade anyone. I mean, Steven Adams isn't really worth it. And that contract's terrible. That goes no, up no one's million in yeah, two no one's years. And it's just like, no one's, no one's buying, no one's going to pay for that money. So no. it's really tough because. I really thought this was the Thunder's year, like, early, like, probably three-fourths of the way done with the season. They're playing great team basketball defensively and all that, and I just feel like it's a bummer for Westbrook and Paul George, but it's like you can't split up those two right now. So it's just like, what can OKC do from here? It's another three years in a row, one year out. I mean, I I can't really, you know, I got to give props to what Portland's been able to do, especially after that big injury um, to like what what their team has been playing like. But man, Dame, dude, he is just on another level. I mean, he right now might have um, surpassed me on being a better point guard than even Kyrie in the, in the, oh yeah, I've been on that train for a while. If you put Harden, even though I don't really like putting Harden at the point guard, even though we technically does play point guard, but if you they, really they basically like, run a dual good. point guard system, yeah, yeah. If you but the, so if you're gonna put Harden, the only two better point guards in the league is Steph and Harden. I mean, Dave's just definitely right. just showed me he he's got it, man. I mean, he's had it for a while, but this series is just showing me like, hey, I forgot forget everything that you saw last year with us. I'm going to put this team on my back, and when they really need me to show out, I'll show out for them. I'll have a big third quarter for them. And and like you said, CJ's been playing really good. So I'm happy for Portland because, you know, Portland does kind of have a, a brighter future if you look at it than OKC right now because you've lost your center who was having a great year this year and all that. So you can definitely replace him, whatever happens to you this year. But I feel like right now, I mean, Portland out of all the teams, could be in the benefit of sneaking past OKC and then possibly making the Western Conference Finals out of the, um, you know, it's whoever they end up playing out of. Yeah, and it's a big turnaround. So, as a, you know, there, there's a lot more to look forward to, even though it was vice versa at the beginning of this year. is like, what can Portland do if they're not that great this year? You know, they've set a lot of money in Dame. 
McCullen and and all that, and it's just like, but now it's just like now they should stick with this group because I don't know, man. Damian Lillard's just he's he's really freaking good, dude. He he just he he can get his buckets when he wants when he wants. Yeah, see, I kind of wonder, and I don't know what what kind of package you could really put together, but do you think you could put together a package around CJ McCollum picks? Um, and, and different things for Anthony Davis. Like, would you try to do that and try, and then try to convince Davis to stay? Um, like, I just feel like if you're Anthony Davis and you get to play with Damian Lillard, like, not not a whole lot of options that are going to be better than that, especially with teams that actually have the cap space for you. Um, man, you probably don't do that if you're Portland, just because I feel like both, you know, both the guys are so tight and they, you know, they they want to play, they want to be there seemingly. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would at least entertain it, you know? I would entertain it, but um, I don't know. I feel like they could do uh, – because I, I just don't think that Davis they, – um, it just wouldn't really mesh really well just in the end. Um, just being that big just and all that, I just don't see it, like, fitting as well as, you know, Damon and CJ being able to play together. I think they could maybe go out and – you know, you don't have to get another superstar, but get it like a a valuable wing player to play with them, or like a a small trade for Robert Covington. Yeah, like you know, you could make that other one and still have your team around your offense definitely going around Dame and CJ, and I think that might be the better choice. But I mean, they could definitely entertain yeah, it. I mean, they, could, they could put a strong package if I'm if I'm New Orleans. It depends on what I want to do, but getting back CJ McCollum could be you know one of the higher, better players that you could get in any trade package. Yeah. I mean, I think realistically that is probably one of the better players that you're going to get back. So if you want if you want to remain competitive, like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would be down with having a backcourt of Drew and CJ and then some, some valuable assets to go with that. I mean, the thing is, New Orleans not in, in such a terrible spot. They have Drew Holiday for two at least two more seasons and a third year um uh player option uh at a at a pretty reasonable contract and the only long term money that they have other than that um is uh or they don't really I guess I should say they have Hill and Etwan Moore on the books next season and this is of course not including Anthony Davis um but like they they have like cap space and can make moves um both this off season and next off season, um, I, if I was them, I definitely wouldn't sink a bunch of money into Julius Randle. I don't, I don't think that would be smart. Um, I would honestly be looking to get um, see if I could get a package around, um, you know, essentially a solid player to pair with Holiday, and then as many assets on the margins as I could get. Um, and, you know, if you want to remain competitive, um, which I think they do. Um, now, if if you don't, if you're down with the tank, then you can obviously ship out both those guys and go a different direction. But um, I don't think that's going to be what they want to do. Um, but time will tell. All right, one last series, and we got to wrap this up. Uh, Denver-San Antonio. Um, obviously, we're not really going to be able to give a prediction for um, – the the series coming up between one of these four teams because this series is still very much up in the air. Um, definitely the best series of this first round. Um, Denver, San Antonio, it, it's been back and forth, man. Like, 
Um, obviously, uh, Denver was, you know, able, uh, or excuse me, San Antonio was able to get out um, on top uh, in game one. Uh, Denver fights back uh, to win game two. Uh, San Antonio was able to get game three, and then Denver fights back to win game four. Um, this has been a very back-and-forth series. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know who to pick in this one, and I think this bears out because both of us were like, man, I don't know who to pick in this one when we were levying our predictions. I think I said – I, I want to say I said Denver in seven. I think you may have said the same thing, that you may have had San Antonio. I can't remember, actually. Um, but So this is definitely coming down to the wire, kind of like what we expected. Um, how do you see the rest of the series playing out? Um, and you know, what, what do you like as far as, um, I, well, I'll say this. I really like the fact, the fact that Mike Malone, um, has made seemingly made quick, quicker decisions than some others have. Um, he probably waited a little too long to, to, um, mess with, with the whole Barton thing. Um, but, I mean, putting Torrey Craig in, in in that game four ended up being huge for them. I, I really liked that move. Um, ended up working out in their favor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I still I like Denver in seven. Um, but if San Antonio can win tonight on the road and they're going back playing game six uh, at home, Fuck man, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think that Denver could could win in San Antonio in what could be a closeout game. So maybe a lot of this just hedges on what happens uh, in in the game tonight. What are your thoughts? No, yeah, I'm completely sold on this series is down to this um, this game big time. It's like it's like you just said. I mean, um, if San Antonio wins, Denver's not going to be able to go into San Antonio. That's a very hard place to play in and and just everything i think denver kind of blew their i mean it's not denver i mean not denver uh san antonio but not san antonio's fault derozan blew that for them they could have definitely gone up 3-1 what the hell are you getting tossed for man i mean seriously i i i dude i i I completely agree with poppy and completely serious with them i mean you should not be getting tossed out of the game um you definitely could have taken this one like control the series and all that and had a good chance to win in six. Now, I definitely, I think it's all pending on tonight. I still think it'll go seven, but I think it might go Denver's way. Um, I like, like you were saying, um, Mike Malone's made the right choice. And not only with last game, with finally going away from Will Barton because he's just been terrible, but mm. he's finally, he's sitting him. He's not even playing him in starting. So, Craig, Craig's yeah. actually in the starting lineup. So, I like and that a lot. Don't get that bench roll. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so. the way they rotated defensively, um, essentially uh, putting uh, Gary Harris on Derek White, um, that seems to have been a very smart move. I know you like Harris a lot as a defender. Um, White looked great early in this series, and then you know Harris was kind of able to um, shut him down. Um, you know, in, in Game Four, I think that will be an interesting thing to monitor as well tonight in Game Five. No, yeah, I definitely look forward to that matchup. Um, I it was too much Derek White relying on him, and I didn't really think. I mean, yeah, he did have that one good game. I think it was game two and all that, but he's kind of he's been like a Jamal Murray. They both have been kind of um, 
more minus it's for their team because it's a lot of like, you know, you're going by them, you're kind of dying by them. And, but I feel like right now, um, what they've been able to do and putting Gary Harris on white, I think it's definitely going to slow them down and take out that Spurs X factor that they had on them. So I think that's going to come, come to like help, uh, Denver out in the end to sneaking out this series win with, uh, like you said, I mean, I'm high on Harris as a two-way player. I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries this year, but I think he can definitely stop Derek White because, I mean, don't get me wrong, Derek White's had, I mean, he's, he's, he's had a good series and all that, but he's not that player where he's getting 30 points, you know. I don't see coming out of a multiple games in a playoff series, so he got his one, but I definitely think now with Harris in the lineup, what's he going with? Tony Craig, uh, you know, the play on DeRozan, and now you switch Harris on to White. That's going to help out Denver big time. And it's, it's also the big big X factor on Denver's behalf is how well Jamal Murray can play. I mean, what are you getting out of right. him? Because obviously he's your, sec- he's your second option, the way that your team plays and all that. And if he's just having a hit or miss thing, it, it all depends. So, like you said, um, I'm completely eyes on in this game. Tonight, um, whoever wins it's going to win the series. But if the Spurs win it, I think they'll shorten it. But even if Denver wins it, I still think the Spurs, just the way that the fans are and being able to play at home, they'll definitely win game seven but end up losing it. I mean, win game six but end up losing game seven on the road to Denver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's if I were to bet, that's how I would bet that it would, it would turn out. Um, but, hey, man, pop. Got to give it up to Pop. I mean, you know he's going to come back um, with some kind of variation, some kind of trick up his sleeve to counteract uh, what Malone did in game four. Um, So, yeah, it could just be one of those situations where Pop is just kind of constantly uh, one move ahead of Malone. Um, And I could even, honestly, I could see it being a situation where they win tonight, Malone makes an adjustment and wins and then gets them to go back home for a game seven. And then Pop's just like, yeah, but I've got the last adjustment up my sleeve and you don't know what's coming. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I don't think it'll play out that way, but I think there is is a less than zero chance that it could. Um, But, but yeah, man, um, it's playoffs, man fucking great time of the year these series have been terrific uh speaking of these series uh i've been enjoying watching uh philly uh kick the shit out of uh brooklyn uh in this first quarter and uh so now i'm gonna go sit down and watch it uh with the sound on uh but hey luke thanks for joining me man and uh as always great show brother hey thanks for having me yeah man for sure uh all y'all be sure to tune in. Uh, we have Wrestling Geeks Alliance tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Dane Alves and Chris Patton will be breaking down all the latest news there, um, as well as we will be uh, back with another episode of Geek Vibes Live this weekend. So be sure to tune in to that this Sunday at 8 o'clock. And keep an eye out for all of our other great shows, uh, Top 10, Geeks Against the Grain, Uh, And be sure to go check out our latest episode of Seven Hells, our Game of Thrones breakdown that aired last night. Uh, Dane Alves, myself, and my dear friend, uh, Rhea, who actually got me into Game of Thrones, uh, 
took a deep dive uh, into episode two and broke down all of the glorious moments within that episode. Um, so that's up now. You can check that out wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, so yeah, check out all that great content. And until next time, we'll see you then. Peace. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.